Good morning and welcome to worship at Fourth Presbyterian Church. We give thanks that God has called each of you here today to worship. I'd like to give a special word of welcome to any visitors who are with us this morning. It is our hope that you experience God's love and hospitality in this place. One of the ways that we build community here at Fourth is by getting to know those with whom we're worshiping. You're invited to find the friendship register located in your pew on the center aisle and sign it. Let us know who you are and then pass it along to your pew neighbors and use it as a tool to get to know one another. Online worshipers, please head over to our website at fourthpres.com and sign the online friendship register. Fourth continues to be active in worship, service, and fellowship, and I've got a few announcements to call to your attention this morning. First, we are thrilled to be kicking off a new church year with not only a rally day, but a rally weekend. So everyone is invited to join us on September 10th for a tailgating party, complete with food trucks, football, and music. And then on Sunday the 11th, we'll have a kickoff worship service in the gym, followed by our fall barbecue luncheon. Donations over the course of the weekend will be dedicated for our youth's mission work, and everyone is invited. Our youth ministry is also gearing up for a new school year with an important parent meeting and back-to-school parties for both middle and high schoolers. If you'd like to get in on the fun of youth ministry at 4th, either as a participant or a volunteer, this would be a great time to get plugged in, and you can see Andy Fox to learn more. On September 16th through 18th, we've got the annual church retreat in Bon Clarken, and we would love to see you all there. The deadline to register for that is August the 21st. I'm also told that we have scholarships available for any who would like to attend. Please see Donna Foster for more information. There are many announcements on the back of your bulletin that deserve our attention, so please be sure to read them thoroughly. You can also find complete details in the weekly e-blast. Just email office at fourthpres.com and ask to be added to that list. I'd now like to invite forward Maureen Coburn and Aaron Washington for a minute for mission. Good morning. This is Maureen Coburn and I'm Aaron Washington. We are here to introduce you to Allied Fourth a new working group of the Mission and Witness Committee approved in early summer by the diaconate and the session. Allied's Fourth's mission is to help Fourth Presbyterian respond to Christ's call to love intentionally and unconditionally, to share in the life and work of faith with LGBTQ plus people, to create opportunities for education, discussion, and dialogue about issues and challenges that can affect LGBTQ plus people from becoming full participants in our faith community. And to foster a church community that honors LGBTQ plus people in practice and policy. So why do we need Allied Fourth? Do we have any LGBTQ plus or rainbow, as I call them, members or families with rainbow loved ones? Yes, we do. Andy and I have known people at Forth with rainbow relatives ever since we joined this church 25 years ago. We ourselves are one of those families. One of our three amazing children is a bisexual trans female, and one is asexual and non-binary. 
Both call themselves transgender. Our children did not want anyone at church to know they were rainbow until two years ago. They did not feel safe being themselves. We hid their rainbow status from you, our extended families, and our other friends for many years. This was honestly awful. We knew that all five of us needed to be fully ourselves. Andy and I missed being honest with you, our church family, and it was incredibly detrimental to all of our kids, including our straight one, to hide the two of us were rainbow. We knew that our friends at Fourth liked and even loved our kids. Would learning Mo and Phoebe's sexual and gender identities change people's minds? If so, how would they, or Andy and I, be treated? We had no idea, because until our children came out fully two years ago, we had never had a casual conversation at church about this topic. Perhaps this is because this congregation often shows love to each other by staying away from potentially controversial topics. Yet, if you are a person affected by one of these issues, the silence is isolating and confusing. It is a lost opportunity to try to understand each other and to give love and support. This is why we need Allied Fourth. We need to talk about God's LGBTQ children, their loved ones, and how they all fit into God's plan for the world. So to have these important conversations, we're doing two things right now. First, we'd love to get your feedback in a short survey that you can find in today's bulletin. You can look for the little QR code on the third page. Um, and it will be in the e-blast this week. Um, we'd like to invite all adults and youth to participate in this survey. We'll also have a six-week Sunday school series beginning September 25th, where we'll explore the Bible passages that are typically used to single out LGBTQ people. If you aren't sure what all the letters in LGBTQ mean, this class is for you. <laughs> if you know exactly what they mean and you can't wait to engage in these conversations, this class is for you. If you're excited that our church is talking openly and intentionally about this topic, this class is for you. And if you aren't sure these conversations belong at church, this class is also for you. This class will not be comfortable all of the time, but it will be respectful and it will operate from the context of our unity in Christ and our love for each other. We can't wait to see you there. Thank you to Aaron and Maureen and the Allied Fourth Working Group. We appreciate your vulnerability and courage. As we prepare now to turn our hearts to worship, I would like to introduce Eva Groh, who will be leading worship alongside of us this morning. Eva is a high school senior who has been exploring her, her faith and discerning God's call in her life. And part of that discernment process has involved the two of us working side by side this week. It's been a joy to witness Eva's many gifts for ministry and to prayerfully create today's worship service together. Thank you, Eva. So now, trusting in the steadfast love of the Lord, which meets us here in this moment of worship, let us worship God. Please stand as you are able and join me in our call to worship. Lord.
Rejoice in the Lord. Sing to God a new song. Play skillfully on the strings. With loud shouts, sing praises. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe. For God spoke, and it came to be. God commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. The Lord frustrates the plans of the peoples. Our soul waits for the Lord, our help and shield. Our heart is glad in the Lord because we trust in God's holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Jesus can sympathize with us in our weakness, since in every respect he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with boldness approach the throne of grace, trusting that mercy and grace will meet us in our need. Let us confess our sins. Holy God, scripture proclaims that you are slow to anger and quick to love. 
Too often we are the opposite. In our anger, we draw a line between ourselves and others, neglecting your call to be one. Forgive us when our anger erupts in unhealthy ways. Forgive us when we fail to catalyze our anger into justice. Help us to access and embody your steadfast love and to trust that your love is more powerful than all that threatens it. Amen. Beloved community, hear and believe the good news of the gospel, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven and free. May be seated. And Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not stop them. I'd like to invite our youngest worshipers to join us up front for our special time together. Good morning, good morning. How are y'all? Did you have a good weekend? Yes? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt angry? Me too. What do you guys do when you're angry? What do you do when you're angry? You go to your room, that's a good one. And maybe, and maybe stomp your feet really loud, yeah? Do you wanna know what makes me really angry? when I stub my toe. I brought this balloon and water bottle to show you how angry I feel when this happens. What color do y'all think anger is? Red. Okay, me too. So I made, the, I made the balloon a red color just for that reason. Like the red carpet, yes. Now I'm going to pour what is in my balloon into my water bottle. Are y'all ready? I mean, it's gonna be crazy. Are you ready? Whoa, look at it. What is it doing? The balloon is blowing up. Yeah, it is. Look, it just keeps going and going. This kind of reminds me of that red little fiery man in the movie Inside Out. Have y'all ever seen that movie? Um, do y'all remember when he got super, super angry and his head would burst into flames? This is what the balloon is doing, but instead of fire, it's just air. 
When I stub my toe, it really helps me to yell and grab and stomp my foot. Sometimes we just need to feel our feelings to get them out. And when we do this, our emotions shrink away just like this. boy, that got a little messy. (laughs) Um, Did you know that even Jesus got angry sometimes? I bet he jumped and yelled when he stubbed his toe. But Jesus got especially angry when people hurt other people. And so Jesus taught us that while it's okay to feel angry, we should never use our anger to hurt other people, right? Mr. Rogers has a song called, What Do We Do With The Mad That You Feel? And in that song, he teaches us some ways to feel our anger, like jumping up and down and using our hands to mold some Play-Doh, and that it's okay to feel big feelings. The important thing is that we feel them in a safe way and in a safe place, and in that way, it doesn't hurt ourselves or other people. Let us ask God to help us feel our anger in these safe ways and to remember that no matter what, God loves us. Will you all stand and join me in this little, this little motion thing? Come on, guys, let's stand up, let's stand up. Okay, so we're gonna do this one, we're gonna sing it through with the motions and we'll put it all together then, okay? When I feel angry, show me your angry face. I stomp my feet, let's stomp our feet. I pound some clay, so this is gonna be our clay and we're gonna pound it. I pound some clay and I ask God to help me with what I say. I'm gonna do our mouths like this. My feelings are big. We're going to star pose. And our feelings are strong. Show me your muscles. Help me to know what is right and what is wrong. We'll just go like that. Okay? Let's put it all together. Okay? When I feel angry, I stomp my feet. I pound some clay. I ask God to help me with what I say. My feelings are big. My feelings are strong. Help me to know what is right and what is wrong. Amen. Thanks, guys. I may, I gotta clean up my mess.
As we prepare now for the reading of scripture, please join me in prayer. 
Holy God, word made flesh, let us come to your word open to being surprised. Silence our agendas, banish our assumptions, cast out our casual detachment, confound our expectations, open our ears, flood our hearts, Give us grace that we may understand and freely choose the way of your wisdom. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our first scripture for today comes from Psalm 33. Hear now God's word. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Praise the Lord with a lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all their host by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea as in a bottle. He put the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the intents of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all humankind. From where he sits enthroned, he watches all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. A king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a vain hope for victory, and by its great might it cannot save. Truly, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, to deliver their soul from death, to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. Our gospel reading for today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What makes you angry? Can you remember the first time you felt genuine anger? Well, the first time I can remember feeling angry was, of course, over fashion. 
I was five years old, and my lifelong best friend and neighbor showed up to our side door one day wearing not only my dress, but my favorite dress. She swore that it was hers and would not take it off no matter how much I elaborated on the fact that it was mine. This dress was a brown maxi number with a tropical pattern perfect for any old summer day, but this particular day just happened to be her dad's birthday, and we were assigned cake decorating duty as a team. I could not get over the fact that she was lying to my face about my dress. I was having such a difficult time with her deceit that I decorated that cake as fast as possible so I could go back to my house and never have to see her again. Luckily, she get, did give it back the next day, and we have remained friends since the dress incident of 2010. <laughs> I also have a very vivid memory of feeling angry when I was around the same age. There was a little boy in my class who we'll call Ben. I am convinced that Ben spent his days trying to come up with a new way to bother me. First, it started with just name calling. There are a lot of things that rhyme with Jackie. Wacky, Jackie, Tacky, Jackie. Something you may not know about me is that my maiden name is Cedar. So eventually, this name calling morphed into Tacky Jackie Cedar Eater. Clever, uh, but it drove me crazy. Well, over time, this name calling morphed into something more serious, uh, into pulling my hair and pulling my chair out from under me and making all of my days terrible. And while Ben made me angry, my most angry moment came when I tried to get an adult from school to help me and I was told, he just likes you. I knew then that that was not an acceptable message. It is never okay to tell young girls that harassment is a sign of affection. I can still remember the way that anger feels in my body. I can still feel it today. Heat rises in my face, my stomach grows warm, my muscles tighten in my arms and legs. We don't talk a lot about anger in church. We prefer to focus on the fruit of the Spirit, you know. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yeah, see, our VCSers are, I got it. Well, when Paul was writing about these heavenly fruits, he apparently decided that anger did not make the cut, which is interesting because we have a lot of scriptural evidence that Paul was a pretty angry guy. Anger makes us uncomfortable, right? We spend a lot of time trying to manage our anger, ignore our anger, bypass our anger, or pretend it doesn't exist. So what exactly is this emotion that so often gets relegated to the sidelines? According to the World Wide Web, it is a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, and hostility. The American Psychological Association says that anger is an emotion characterized by antagonism towards someone or something you feel has deliberately done you wrong. So anger is an emotion, a feeling, and it's important to remember that emotions in and of themselves are not morally positive or negative. They're morally neutral, a natural response to our experiences. We cannot control which emotions surface and when. No one wants to experience emotions like anger, anxiety, or grief. I am reminded of a scene from the popular TV show, Ted Lasso. Ted, a soccer coach with seemingly endless pos pos 
activity, and joy, is struggling with his emotions amidst one of the most important coaching moments of his career. At the height of the biggest game of the season, he exits the field when his emotions feel overwhelming. Afterward, Ted is faced with a significant amount of backlash. He tells his friend that if it were up to him, he wouldn't have had this surge of emotion in the middle of a game, but there was nothing he could do but feel what he was feeling. The experts tell us that the paradox of our emotional experience is that if we try to resist what we're feeling, it only amplifies. The more we try to control our emotions, the more out of control they become. The same thing is true of our thoughts. I'll prove it. If I tell you, don't think about a red truck, what do you immediately think about? A red truck. Now try really, really hard not to think about a red truck. What are you thinking about? (laughs) A red truck. So you see, resistance keeps an emotion or a thought stuck. Let's think for a moment about the messages we receive from society about anger. The time-honored wedding day advice tells us that we are to never go to bed angry. Ralph Waldo Emerson states that for every minute you are angry, you lose 60 seconds of happiness. I mean, come on, Ralph. I think we can do the math. One tweet puts it quite honestly, saying, Anger is your biggest enemy. Control it. Even wise old Benjamin Franklin says that anger is never without reason, but seldom a good one. The church has also wrestled with its understanding of anger. St. Augustine warned us against any expression of anger, saying that the bitterness of hatred will follow close behind and linger for longer than it should, spoiling the whole vessel. That's the fear with anger, right? That if we allow ourselves to feel angry, it will lead to unintended consequences. We will mismanage our anger and hurt ourselves or others. But other forebears in our faith have highlighted the connection between anger and justice. Take, for example, Thomas Aquinas, who said, He who is not angry when there is just cause for anger is immoral. Why? Because anger looks to the good of justice. And if you can live amid injustice without anger, you are immoral as well as unjust. In this light, Aquinas indicates that anger is essential to spiritual health. Feeling angry is a barometer for how much we care about the world's pain. My very wise therapist says that anger is a secondary emotion. It sits on top of deeper emotions, like love and grief. Furthermore, she says, our anger is the part of us that loves us and loves others. If you want to know what you love and value, consider what makes you angry and follow the anger to see what it's protecting. I don't know about you, but when I look around at the world's suffering, I feel a lot of anger. I'm not alone in my anger. Recently, when our youth group attended the Montreat Youth Conference, we were challenged with the question, what makes you angry? That night, as our group sat together to reflect, we talked about many injustices we see in our world and expressed our anger. As people who regularly experience anger, today's scripture about Jesus cleansing the temple is validating. While we often picture Jesus as tame and passive, the Jesus we meet in today's gospel story is outraged and active. He's loud and disruptive. To know that, we, that he felt and expressed anger, too, validates our experience. 
So why exactly was Jesus so angry in the temple that day? Scholars scholars have posited many different theories. The apparent object of Jesus' attack is the practice of selling sacrificial animals to the pilgrims, presumably in the court of the Gentiles that surrounded the sacred temple precincts, and exchanging Roman coins, which bore the image of the emperor, for imageless coins acceptable for the temple tax. Matthew, Mark, and Luke's accounts say that the problem was price gouging, setting unfair prices and preying on the poor. John's gospel doesn't make this accusation. Instead, it appears that the very act of buying and selling, particularly in the only sacred space where Gentiles are allowed to worship, pushed Jesus to unleash holy havoc. While we modern readers might not have a complete understanding of ancient temple practices, we can infer that the temple had forgotten its purpose. It had sold its soul to consumerism. And this made Jesus angry, so angry that he fashioned a whip to drive out the cattle and flipped over the tables of the money changers, scattering their coins across the floor. While it is tempting for us to, in our minds, quickly jump into action alongside of Jesus, fashioning our whips to denounce the principalities and powers that oppress, we would be wise to pause here and consider what modern-day equivalent actions in the church would kindle Jesus' anger against us. Where have we grown apathetic in our worship and practice? Where have we allowed consumer mentality to shape our faith? How have we strayed from our highest calling? We must be very careful that we do not find ourselves sitting at tables Jesus would flip. Reverend Chris Lee, who was the keynote leader at, the Mon- at Montreat this year, pointed out an important distinction between the kind of anger that destroys and the kind of anger that leads to healing and wholeness. He said, Jesus flipped tables, not people. Jesus flipped systems, not people. Jesus flipped hearts, not people. It's important to note that Jesus' whip was a tool to drive out cattle, not people. He did not injure people in his display of anger, but he woke people up. He leaned into his role as a prophet and spoke truth and power. His actions were meant to unsettle and disturb. And it is important for us to see in his fullness, not only as the Prince of Peace, but also the Lion of Judah. Jesus's actions were subversive. He toppled the system that had been used to exploit and oppress, and he challenged the people to reframe their understanding of faith. And if we peel back the layer of his necessary and important anger, we can see under his anger a motivating force of love, love for God's people and the church, a love so strong and so deep that any injustice that threatens it must be transformed. I know that there is much to be angry about in our world today. And when we look around at the enormity of the world's pain, our anger is easily accompanied by despair. But beloved community, hear this good news proclaimed in today's psalm. The word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. The presence of anger is not the absence of love. 
It is an indicator of a place where God is calling us to participate alongside of Christ in the work of healing. It is true that the powers of the world wage war against peace, grasp with greed at the expense of the needy, and threaten to steal, kill, and destroy. But people of faith, we must cling to the promises of our faith, namely that the steadfast love of the Lord is the most powerful force in our world. That which makes us angry is evident of that love, is evidence of that love. And when we bring our anger to God, showing God what we love and the ways in which that love is being threatened, we discover that God is already at work there, flipping the tables of injustice and inviting us to do the same. Anchored in this love, our anger is protected from turning into hatred, and instead it is transformed. When we feel uncomfortable and unsettled in our anger, instead of trying to avoid or bypass our emotions, let us listen to the love that runs underneath, love for ourselves and for one another, and ask God to catalyze that love into just action. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, power without love is reckless and abusive, and love without power is sentimental and anemic. Power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice. And justice at its best is power correcting everything that stands against love. I'd like to read that again. Power without love is reckless and abusive. And love without power is sentimental and anemic. Power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice. And justice at its best is power correcting everything that stands against love. To access this kind of love, the kind that makes power hold hands with justice, we must first be willing to ask ourselves and God an important question. What makes you angry?
Our affirmation of faith today comes from the confession. You may remain standing, please. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were sitting down. Our affirmation of faith today comes from the confession of Belhar, from our Presbyterian book of confessions. The confession of Belhar uh, comes to us from the Reformed Church in South Africa and was written during the tumultuous struggle against apartheid. So let us join our voices in this affirmation of the church. We believe that Christ's work of reconciliation is made manifest in the church as the community of believers who have been reconciled with God and with one another. That unity, therefore, both a gift and an obligation for the church of Jesus Christ. That this unity of the people of God must be manifested and be active in a variety of ways. In that we love one another, that we experience, practice, and pursue community with one another, that we are obligated to give ourselves willingly and joyfully to be of benefit and blessing to one another, that we suffer with one another for the sake of righteousness, together serve God in this world, and together fight against all which may threaten or hinder this unity. We believe that the church must therefore stand by people in any form of suffering and need which implies, among other things, that the church must witness against and strive against any form of injustice so that justice may roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Jesus is Lord, to the only and only God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be the honor and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord, and we are embraced by that love and called to be ambassadors of that love. And so, in that spirit, let us present our offerings to God.
You may be seated. Let us turn our hearts to the Lord in a time of prayer. O God of love, whose perfect love casts out fear, whose steadfast love abounds, making you slow to anger, allowing you to abide with us, to bear with us, even in our broken condition. For your patience and forbearance, we are ever grateful. In this assurance, we approach you in prayer. God, our sovereign, whose love is sovereign, we observe the raging of the nations, and we do so from a place of relative safety. Yet we know how small our planet is, this beautiful planet that you have entrusted to us. And we see more and more how connected is all the life on this tiny blue dot. And we see more and more clearly how every year the truth that if any nation rages against another or destroys your creation or neglects justice, all nations are at risk. God of sovereign love, awaken us to your perspective. For the psalmist says, you look down from heaven and see all humankind. You watch all the inhabitants of the earth, you who fashion the hearts of us all and observe all our deeds. So let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe before you. Help us to see that we are one human family, that your promise to Abraham was to bless all the families of the earth, and that in Christ you are reconciling all things to yourself, all things, including all people in the one human family. By your Spirit, make us teachable so that you may teach us and we may learn. Remove from our ears the sound of our all-too-familiar voice and open our ears to the voices of others. Lift every voice to sing till earth and heaven ring with the harmonies of liberty. God of healing and hope, you alone know all the ways your children suffer. You know because in Christ you enter our dark places and suffer with us. For in Christ you have taken on our flesh and know our weakness. In Christ we find healing and hope for the future. So we lift up to you all who suffer, who find themselves in all manner of illness or in the hospital or facing surgery or home recovering or undergoing treatment of disease. The people of the villages came to you, and you laid your hands on them and healed them. So we come to you in hope and seek your healing for all who are sick this day. And for your church, we pray, bring us to the unity that is both gift and obligation for the church of Jesus Christ. Open us to the gift that embraces us all, and give us the conviction and the courage and the compassion to loosen our grip on the gift and offer it to others. Do not let us hoard your grace for ourselves like a secret treasure, but open our hands that we may share it. 
as you gave bread to your disciples, saying, You give them something to eat. By your Spirit, restrain our self-righteousness and save us from sanctimony. Teach us to take off the garments of spiritual privilege and put on the garments of humility. Teach us the spiritual posture of humility so that we may be reconciled to you and to one another in Jesus Christ. So we may be in our life together as the body of Christ, your shining light in the darkness, your light beckoning all people into your warm embrace, into the joy of your perfect love that casts out all fear. And so we offer our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ who teaches us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As you might imagine, finding music in our hymnal today that references anger was challenging. It's not something we sing about often. But in our quest for music that would help to give voice to our anger for the sake of its transformation into love and justice, we discovered that many African-American spirituals are well-versed in this revolutionary work. In fact, there's a familiar song that we all know that became an anthem in the civil rights movement. Whenever fear and violence threatened to surface during protests, the people would sing, and not just sing, but shout with full-throated power, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. So inspired by their example, and empowered by Christ to join in the revolutionary work of flipping the tables of injustice, let us join our voices with theirs, loud and strong, singing, This Little Light of Mine.
Trusting in the one who made us and our emotions, let us not be afraid to feel strongly and to love deeply. Let us be emboldened by the steadfast love of the Lord to catalyze our anger into justice. And let us shine brightly in the face of all that threatens our hope. Beloved community, as you go from this place today, may the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit abide with you and give you peace. Amen.